Well, my name's Clayton. I'm the pastor of Raider Church, and I want to welcome you to our new location. How do you like it? Our new theater here. So this is one of the, if you've been coming to Raider Church, you know, we, we've used several different locations. This will be one of our new locations we'll use, um, just like we've used the auditorium and, and the pavilion and uh, the chapel on campus. Uh, we'll use this as one of our locations. We'll still use the, the pavilion, the alumni pavilion. We'll still use the chapel some, uh, sometimes and, and, and maybe even some other locations. We're, hope, uh, we're hoping, uh, we're not sure yet, but we're hoping to launch the spring semester, uh, possibly in the spirit arena. And so that would be awesome. We would launch there maybe for a couple of weeks and then, and then move over here to the theater. So we're still working all that out, but man, we, we, we are excited uh, to be here at the Lubbock Memorial Civic Center in this place. And uh, man, it's our prayer that in any room, just like this one, that, that we'll fill it up. We've got it about half full right now. And, and, uh, but let's, let's invite some people next week and let's, let's fill this room up. So Several years ago, uh, my wife and I bought a foreclosed house. So this house, the bank owned it. Uh, the people that, that had it before either defaulted on their mortgage or whatever, but the bank owned this house. And so my wife and I came in and we made this ridiculously low bid on this house that was foreclosed. No one had been in it for like two years. So, so everything was like awful in the house. Like the plumbing was awful. Like the fences were falling over. Like everything was in bad shape. It, it, it was a foreclosure. And so we came in, we made this ridiculously low bid and they rejected our offer. And so we were disappointed. We were kind of moving on looking for another house. Well, it went under contract with some other people and that fell through. So we came back and we made an even lower bid on the same house and they took it, they accepted our offer. And so we got this foreclosure, this house, at this ridiculously low price. It was amazing, okay? Here's the problem though. We had to go into this house and completely redo it. Like we had to gut everything out of it. When you walked into this house, it looked normal on the outside, but when you walked into the house, it looked like something out of Alice in Wonderland. Like there was pinks and yellows and, and all kinds of weird wild colors. And, and like the, the cabinets and the, in the, um, the, the inserts, like in the walls and stuff, um, like were all wavy and it was just, it was wild. And so we had all the stuff ripped out. Uh, we had all the floors and the whole place ripped out. We repainted the whole thing. We had most of the work uh, done for us. Like we hired a lot of it out because I can't do any of that stuff, okay? I can do some things, but I, I know when you look at me and you're like, Clayton, you look like a, a, like a handy guy. I know I do, but, but that's, not, that's not really my thing. So, so we hired a lot of it done. I can paint, so we painted a lot. And one of the things we painted a lot was the trim on the outside of this house, okay? And in fact, we painted it like five times, because my wife, we, I would paint it and she would look at the color and she'd be like, um, I don't really like that color. What? Uh, you better start liking it because I just painted the whole, the whole trim, like all the way around the house. She's like, no, you know, I'm, I'm not liking the, the sheen. And I'm like, what, what's a sheen? I don't even understand. Like, she's like, well, it, 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 we got a glossy one. I, I want a more of a matte finish. I was like, well, is it, uh, uh, so we go and get this pain. We, we redo the whole trim. I mean, we did this trim probably three, four, five times over. Like I'm up on this vaulted ladder, like hanging from the house, like painting this trim. I mean, in danger of my life. And my wife's just like, do it again. Do it. She didn't care. Do it again. Like just keep, keep doing it until we get it right. So we're painting the house though. And, and, and while we're doing this together, we have this paint can and uh, we're both working for this from this tray and um, as, we're, as we're painting and I, 
opened up a new can and I got some paint out and uh, I put the lid back on it. Well, she walked over to the paint can and she thought it was a new paint can. And so she picked it up like a lot more forceful than she would have if she had known the lid wasn't all the way on and just dumped paint all over herself. And so she had some like really nice uh, four letter words like thank you, you know, that she said to me for, for that. And, and for some reason that was my fault. I don't, I don't know how, uh, but, but, but it was, uh, guys, I don't know what to tell you there. You know, I, you're out of luck. Like if, if that happens to you, it's somehow it's your fault. I don't get it, but, but it was like, it was my fault. And so we, we, we remodeled this house. Uh, we restored this house. Okay. We took a house that the bank owned. We purchased it from the bank who owned it. We gutted it. Like we got rid of almost everything in this house. We redid it. We remodeled. And then several years later, much to my wife's displeasure, we sold this house. Now we made a lot of money on it. Okay. It was a great like investment. We made a ton of money on this house, but she wasn't too happy that we, that we sold it. But what we did with that house, a lot of people do, they take these houses and they, they flip them, okay? They take an old house, sometimes they're foreclosed on, and they will remodel them. They'll completely gut them out. They'll start all the way over with this old house instead of buying a new house. Now, the biblical term for that is called redemption. Instead of buying a new house, we bought an old house that was foreclosed on. It was in captivity to the evil bad bank, right? And, and, and we bought it and we remodeled it, okay? The biblical term for that, if you were to think about it from the, a Bible sense or in a spiritual sense, would be redemption. We redeemed that house. And so I want to tell you more about this and what redemption is and how God has redeemed us from slavery and captivity and how that works and what that looks like. Okay, so if you got your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. And as you're uh, turning there, if you don't have a Bible or if it's not a translation you understand very well or anything like that, go to raiderchurch.com, select sermon notes. You can follow along with us. The verses and the points that are all there for you uh, so that you can uh, keep it, email it to yourself or whatever. So raiderchurch.com, select sermon notes. Okay. So we're in a series called treat yourself where we're talking about all the ways that God has blessed us. You see our culture, whether you realize this or not, can constantly preaches to us through social media, TV, all kinds of movies, all kinds of different mediums preaches to us that the blessed life is all depended upon how much stuff you have or you don't have. Like how things are going for you, like financially, or what kind of car you drive, or what kind of house you have, or, or if things are going well or bad determines whether you're living the blessed life or not, or whether you're blessed or not. So that's what our culture preaches to us on a continual basis. And if we're honest with ourselves, we buy that a lot. Like we, 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 we buy into that way of thinking. That whether we're blessed or not depends on how we're doing, on our circumstances. But the Bible will teach us, you'll see, we're, we're looking at it in this series, that God has blessed us, if you go back and watch week one, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, the Bible says, in the heavenly realm. God has blessed us with spiritual blessings. And so in this series, we're looking at the spiritual ways, the ways that God has blessed us. And here's what we've been saying. That it's not about what you have or you don't have. Because those things can change in a second with a phone call. Your health can change in a second. 
It's not about what you have or you don't have. It's about what God has given to us. And so tonight, you're gonna see another way God has blessed us. So Ephesians chapter one, let's go. We're gonna look at what it means to be redeemed. Ephesians one, starting in verse six, Paul says this. He's writing to the church at, to, to the church at Ephesus and for some background on this, you can go back and watch week one and, and who this church is and why he's writing to them. But he, he continues here in verse six. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. Now, some translations here will say that he redeemed us or that in Christ we have redemption. Literally, redemption, to be redeemed, means to be purchased for your freedom. Your freedom has been purchased. You've been redeemed. So he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So here's the, the first thing you need to understand about redemption or what it looks like to be redeemed. We have been redeemed from captivity. We've been redeemed from captivity. And you might be thinking, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not captive. Nobody, nobody owns me. You know, the Bible says, Paul continues to write in Ephesians chapter two, if you continue to read, he says that in Ephesians 2, because of our sin, we are following our master, the devil. In fact, we sang a song just a little bit ago. It talked about our slavery to sin. The Bible says that because of our sin, and we've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all fallen short of, of God's standard to have a relationship with him and, and to go to heaven when we die. We've all fallen short of that standard. That because of our sin, we're actually slaves to that sin. And that slavery to sin leads us as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers it no more. Your sin is forgiven. So it's done. Jesus has sat down. His job is finished. He's done. It, may, it reminds me uh, of when my kids uh, will, will want something, they want a snack or a drink or whatever, and they'll go to my wife and they'll say, hey, mom, I, I, I want a snack. I, I, you know, I want some goldfish or, or, or my daughter, Nixon, she, she loves these muffins. And so she said, mom, I want some muffins. And, 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 and uh, my, my wife will say, huh? no, go ask your dad. I've, I've sat down, it's done, okay? I, I'm done, I've been going all day long. I've sat down, it's over. I'm not getting anything else. It, go ask your dad. And they're like, ah. Oh. He's just gonna say no. But she sat down. She's not getting back up. She is done. It's complete. Her day is over. When Jesus died on the cross, he said it's finished. The punishment for your sin. There's no more punishment left to be had. If you're a follower of Jesus, your sin was nailed to the cross. And then Jesus was raised from the dead, conquered sin, conquered death, went to the right hand of the Father. He sat down and now it says this, Paul writes, he says, and then this is God's plan. He's gonna bring everything in heaven and earth. He's gonna bring everything together under the authority of Christ. In other words, this redeemer, Jesus, the son who purchased our freedom has been made king over everything over everything, over all of creation. The Bible says, Paul writes, everything in heaven and earth is being brought together. It's gonna to be brought under the authority of Christ. So not only is God redeeming us, redeeming a people for himself, he's redeeming all of creation that was scarred and marred by sin. 
You know, a lot of times people ask or, or wonder, why is there evil? Why do th- these bad things exist? Why are there tsunamis and, and tornadoes and, and earthquakes? Listen, that's not the way God created things. He created things perfect. But the Bible says everything was cursed in Genesis 3. Everything was cursed because of sin. All of creation was cursed because of sin. But the great news, the redemption story, isn't just that God's redeeming us. He's redeeming all things and bringing them under the authority of Christ. He's going to make all things new. But here's the implication of that. Our Redeemer, Jesus, has been made king over everything. Everything on heaven and earth will be brought under his authority. So, here's what you've got to understand tonight. There is no other Redeemer. We've been redeemed by the son who purchased our freedom. There's no one else that has purchased your freedom and redeemed you from your captivity to sin. No one else has done that. Your only redeemer is Jesus. And he's king. He's king over everything. The Bible says he's king over everything on earth and heaven and under the earth, like of all. So there is no other redeemer. How many of you have seen the movie Taken? It's kind of an old movie with Liam Neeson. Okay, so most of us have seen it. So, you know, like he gets the phone call that they've taken his daughter, right? And he says, I will find you and I will kill you, right? And if you have a daughter, like, okay, you're going to understand that. Like, you're going to get that. You, you hurt my, you touch my daughter. I will find you and I will kill you, okay? That, that's all there is to it. It's not even that if you take her, if you touch her, you touch my daughter, I will find you and I will kill you. That's just all there is to it, okay? So, so Liam Neeson's about to go, you know, nuts. He's about to go crazy and just kill everybody and go and rescue his daughter, okay? But picture this. He, he's done all that. He's, he's, he's flown over to Europe, okay? He's, he's killing everybody, okay? He's, he's kicking butt and, and doing all that. And, and, and he goes in to rescue his daughter who's been drugged up and been sold into the sex slave industry. He goes in to rescue her, to take her away from all of this, from her captors. He comes in and he says, all right, babe, let's go. Okay, we're, I, I mean, I'm here. I've come to rescue you. And she's like, um, thanks for that. But could you send somebody else? Like, I'm just not, I, could you do it a different way? Like, I don't like how you did all that. Could, 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 could you come in a different way? Could you send somebody else? What? No, 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 that's, that's not what happens and it doesn't even make sense. We have so many people complaining about God's way of rescuing us from our sin and, and who he sent and, and, and we don't like it that way and, and maybe we want someone else and, and we want it a different way or we want multiple ways. What about God made a way? He didn't have to. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. He sent a redeemer. He sent someone to purchase you from your slavery to sin, which leads to death. There is no other redeemer. Our response should be, God, thank you for the redeemer that you've sent. That would die on the cross, that would pay for my sin with his own blood. That would rescue me from darkness from my slavery to sin. Our Redeemer is the Son, Jesus, and there is no other 
Redeemer. So we've been redeemed from captivity. We've been redeemed by the son, but it doesn't stop there. Like it gets even better. Paul continues in verse 11 and he says this, furthermore, it's like after all that, like we've been rescued from captivity to sin. We've been rescued from all that. Jesus did it with his own blood. Like he purchased our freedom to redeem us from sin. But furthermore, after all of that, because we are united with Christ, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, look what he says. We have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his good plan. So we've been redeemed from captivity. We've been redeemed by the Son. But watch this. Even furthermore, we've been redeemed for an inheritance. You've been redeemed for an inheritance. You see, the Bible says, we just read this in, in the verses before this, that Christ, Jesus, sat down and now God's plan has always been to bring everything under the authority of Christ. In other words, Jesus is king overall. But the incredible news, even furthermore, is that the Bible says you and I are co-heirs with Christ. Which means everything that the Son receives you receive. Everything that Jesus gets, you get. You're a co-heir with Christ. You've been redeemed for an inheritance. You get everything Jesus gets. First Peter 2.9 says, but you're a part of a holy nation, a royal priesthood a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, captivity to darkness and sin, into his wonderful light. You're a part of a royal priesthood. In other words, Jesus, our redeemer, who's king of all, because we are united with him, we're co-heirs with Christ, you, and I, as followers of Jesus, are royalty. You're royalty in God's family. And that changes everything. About a year ago, I was reading this verse and I was reminded again of who I was in Christ. That as a co-heir with Christ, I'm a part of a royal priesthood. That's my inheritance. And so some people will ask, hey, what's that tattoo on your arm? Is that Budweiser or is that um, like Anheuser-Busch or, or I can't remember some of the other ones. And then, and then some people will say, oh, no, no, I know, I, I know what that is. That's for Rolex, like Rolex watches. I'm like, bro, I'm a pastor. Like I've, I've never held a Rolex watch. What are you kidding? And so it, it, it's, not, it's not any of that. I got this tattoo as a reminder of who I am. That as a co-heir with Christ, I am a part of a royal priesthood, a royal family, that I am royalty in God's eyes. Doesn't matter how I see myself or how other people see me, the way that God sees me as being united with Christ, as being in Christ, a co-heir with Christ, part of my inheritance is that I'm a part of God's family now. And so because of that, I am royalty. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are too. And that may sound weird to say to yourself, but it's the truth. 
It's the truth. And so as we talk about all this tonight, kind of all this Bible stuff, and we said in this series, we're going to be talking a lot about who God is and who we are and, and how we relate to God and how, how, how we have a relationship with God. You might be thinking and wondering, like, what is this? Like, that's all, that's all great. That's all good. But what is that? What, what are the implications of that, like, in my daily life? Well, number one, you've received a new life as part of your inheritance. Just like Jesus was raised to new life, he conquered sin and conquered death and was raised to new life, the Bible says you've been raised. You have a new life. The old is gone, the new has come. You have a new life. Not only that, you've got a new purpose. You've got a role, role to play. Like you have a, a part in this redemption story, like to redeem all things and to see all things come under the authority of Christ. Like you have a role to play. You've been raised up. You have a new life, but now you've got a new role. You've got a purpose, a new purpose for your life to take part in this redemption story. And then finally, you've got a new identity, your royalty. You've been raised, you've got a new role, now you've got a new identity. You are royalty. And if there was nothing else you could leave here with tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus, my prayer is that you could leave here saying that about yourself, that something would change in your mind and that regardless of where you've been or what you've done or what other people have said about you or what your parents have said or what teachers or professors have said or what friends have said or what an ex has said, or that you would something by the power of God's spirit in you would begin to realize and recognize and identify with that new identity, with your inheritance that you've received in Christ. That you're a part of a royal priesthood, a royal family. You are royalty. And so because of that, you can live like it. You see, when that switch changes in your mind, Paul says, you begin to live in light of the calling that you've received. Your life begins to change and you begin to live, live, live differently because now I'm royalty and so I'm not gonna do that anymore. No, everything in my life is coming under the authority of Christ, my King. It changes everything about your daily life. When you begin to see who you are in Christ, when your new identity begins to take over, that you're royalty. You begin to live a life worthy of that calling when that switch flips. And so that's my prayer for you tonight, that that switch would flip, that you would be so overwhelmed with your inheritance in Christ and who you are now. You've got a new life, you've got a new purpose, and you've got a new identity. And so here's, here's our challenge. Here's what we want you to see tonight. It's this, it's that being blessed isn't about what you have or, or you don't have. Here, what, what we've said about that over and over and over again, that can change in a second. It can change with a phone call. That's not what being blessed is about. It's about the inheritance you've received from God through Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to be blessed. It's about receiving an inheritance from God for those of us who have a relationship 
with Jesus. Paul would write in Colossians chapter one, he would say this in verse 13, for he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness where we were held captive and following our master, the devil. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Several years ago, I went to Thailand two different times in about a year stretch. And the second time my, my wife went with me and we visited a ministry that we began to know that, that was helping girls out of the sex slave industry. They would go into these clubs, they would go into these bars where girls would dance and men would go in and buy them. They go into these clubs, they go into these bars and they talk with these girls and they begin to share with them and try to develop relationships with them. Over time, they, they begin to offer them as they, those girls begin to trust them. They begin to offer them a different way and, and show them a way out. And as some of those girls make that decision, they, they bring them into a new home where they begin to give them an education and they give them a family that loves them and they begin to share the gospel about a God who loves them. And I'll never forget several years ago when my wife went with me, she actually got to go into the bars with some of the ladies on the staff of this ministry. She sat at a table and they paid some money for a girl to come over and sit with him. They begin to talk with her and try to develop a connection and a relationship with her. My wife came out. We were waiting at a coffee shop down the street from this red light district and, and she came into this coffee shop and she, shop, she looked at me and she just started crying. She said, get me out of here, get me back to our hotel right now. We went back to our hotel and she said, just, I, I can't even talk. Like, I'm I, I just, I feel so disgusting. Like I have to get into the shower. And so she, she got in the shower and she sat in there for a couple of hours and she just cried. She said, Clayton, when I was looking at these girls and as this girl came over to the table and I was looking at her, she said there was no life in her. It was like a robot. All the life and the joy, everything had been beaten out of her because of the slavery that she had been in. Her captors had beaten it out of her. And all that ruled her life was fear. One of the girls that went in there with Darby that works for this ministry, that goes in to connect with these girls used to be in that very bar. This ministry had gone in and made a relationship with her, had connected with her, developed a trust with this girl to where she felt comfortable and safe leaving. They purchased her freedom. She became a part of this family in this home where they were giving her this education and sharing the, the good news about Jesus with her. She ended up giving her life to Jesus. 
later joining the ministry of that staff, going back into those exact same bars to help rescue the very girl she used to be. That's redemption. And that's what God has done for you and for me. And my prayer is tonight that you would be overwhelmed tonight with the great news that you have been redeemed. Your freedom has been purchased. You're free. If you're in Christ, you're free. Let's pray. God, tonight, would you overwhelm us with the power of redemption? Would you overwhelm us with the power of the gospel that you have purchased our freedom with the blood of your son? You have called us out of darkness into your light. And God, I pray that tonight you would just, by the power of your spirit, help us to understand and to realize and to grasp this new life that we've been raised up to this new purpose, this, this role that you've given us to take part in the redemption of all things and all people, the new identity that you've given us as royalty. God, would you move now, even as we begin to sing here in just a second, God, would your spirit just begin to overwhelm us with this great news that Paul wanted the Ephesians to be overwhelmed by. God, would you overwhelm us with the power of the gospel story, with the power of redemption? pray that in Jesus name. Amen. Now, would you stand? Our team's going to lead us. We're going to sing and we're going to thank Jesus for the power of redemption that he has purchased our freedom. And so tonight, if you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus, you are free. You are free from the power of sin. It's done. It's finished. It's completed. You have a new life, a new purpose, and a new identity. And if you've never given your life to Jesus before, tonight is your night. Now is your time to give your life to Jesus so that you could be forgiven of your sin. And so that all this could be yours that we've been talking about. And so if that's you, we want to know about it. Go to RaiderChurch.com, fill out that form, tell us you're committing your life to Christ, and then go to the Connect Center after the service. We'd love to chat with you. But the Bible says, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but now, now, you are a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belongs to God. You didn't used to belong to God, but now you belong to God. And it says this, so that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his light. And so that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna declare the praises of God as we sing and worship. So Jesus, we thank you. We worship you, God. Would you overwhelm us with the great news of the gospel, with the great story of redemption, that we are free. We are no longer captives to sin and death. We now live under the authority and the reign of grace. And so God, in this moment, God, show us that your grace is greater than all our sins.